Welcome to Wild Hearts at Work, a podcast redefining our relationship with work through stories and conversations with Wild Hearts who have dared to challenge the status quo. And now, here's your host, Melissa Boggs. Hello, friends, and welcome back to Wild Hearts at Work. This is our second live recorded episode. So right now we are live on LinkedIn, YouTube, and Twitter. And I'm really excited to make a dream come true a second time. Uh, I say that because last week I had the honor of bringing Rich Sheridan, Bob Osmond, and Caitlin Magnuson on as some of my highest downloaded guests from season one to talk together about leadership in 2022. Well, this week, I'm doing it again. It was so much fun. And there are so many amazing guests from season one that I wanted to bring together another group. So this week, I have the honor of bringing back three of the other highest downloaded guests from season one that are going to talk with me about change in the great resignation era and what employees can actually do to make that change. And I feel like that's a pretty fully loaded question. So we have a lot to talk about today. Um, So with that, I'm going to invite one by one amazing guests to the show. So I'm going to start with Gary Ware, who we learned about in his episode, is all about play and reaching humans through play, finding that change through play. Gary, we had so much fun in the first episode, and I'm so excited that you're here. I am too. It is a celebration. Uh... (laughs) Gary always brings the confetti and the sound effects. Like we had to have him on this episode today. So, so happy to see you. Let's bring on our next guest. Allison Pollard has transformation in her title. So who better to talk about change with than Allison Pollard? Allison, we had so much fun. Yes. A lot of authenticity in our episode when I talked with you. Uh, so I'm so happy to see you again. Allison, meet Gary. Nice to meet you, Gary. I had, I listened to that episode with Gary and thought, oh my God, like I get to like talk to him for real. Like, oh, this is amazing. <laughs> exactly. Likewise. Yeah. I'm so excited. This is going to be so much fun. Yeah. And to round this out, um, not only do we need to talk about change, but how do we actually propagate change? And I think one of the best ways that we do that, and we learned this from his episode, is through storytelling. So who better to bring on the show than... Fellow Ted Lasso fan, Seth Erickson. Welcome, my friend. Ah, thank you for having me. So since our episode with Seth, um, he has published his book and now is like a best-selling author and awards and all kinds of things that I can't even list because there's so many. So <laughs> welcome, <laughs> Seth. Meet Allison and Gary. Hi. Nice to meet you all. Hello. We got some Texans up in here, (laughs) y'all. All (laughs) All right, so we're all here. I am, again, so excited. Uh, Once more, we are live on LinkedIn, YouTube, and Twitter. And so hello to everyone who is listening live. um, And we'll be posting this up just like a regular episode as well. So the big question for this panel is, in this great resignation era... What is the opportunity for employees to bring about change in their workplace? 
I'm going to leave the question on the table to start and see where we go with it. (laughs) (laughs) And talk about like a a wide open question, because it feels like things that you never considered open to change in the past, like where you physically worked, for example, on the table, like you want to, you want to change the way that we work. You want to change where we work. You want to change the way that you engage around work. Like everything is up for grabs right now. Uh, And it's, it's almost like really overwhelming as an employee, as a leader of where do I put my focus? Where, where should we put our energy in around change? Because there's so much in flux already. Um, And to add on that, uh, Allison, you're spot on. Um, And it reminds me uh, with, with my family, I have a five-year-old and um, the best time to, we learned from from his doctor to institute like new things is when there was change. So mm-hmm. when we moved, that was the perfect time to tell him, all right, well, the bottle is gone and now you have the sippy cup. And he was like more receptive to it than we thought. Uh, but again, <laughs> putting this into the context now, because so much stuff is up in flux, it's, you know, gone of the days of, well, that's how we did it before. Well, this is the time to just throw everything up in the air and, and reevaluate and see does this still bring value to us? Is this going to help us, um, you know, create that sense of belonging, create the environment that's in alignment with our values, or is there a different way? Mm. I just yeah, have I to think- quick side. I'm sorry, Seth. Quick side note: Can anyone else imagine what an adorable dad Gary is? Like, <laughs> if he plays like this at work, like I can only imagine the play at home. So, right. uh, get us back on track. <laughs> well. Um, <clears throat> To um, to Gary's point, I think I think the stage where a lot of companies at is that they are reevaluating, or you know, whereas like you said before, it was always well, it's always this way. This is how we do things, and now there's an opportunity to go. Well, maybe things don't have to be this way, and mm-hmm. and what could the, those new things look like, and what is the potential? Um, like, so I'll I'll give a kind of a personal story. Um, with uh, my my former company, Codus Agency, we literally did not have um, working hours. So we had twenty three people, and um, you were you needed to be available to talk to nine to five. But what you were doing during that nine to five didn't matter so much to us as much as are you getting shit done? Mm-hmm. Are you getting it done on time? Is it good? Okay, so if if it takes you two hours to do something and then you don't have something else that you need to be doing, I don't care what you do, right? Like I, I need you to be available to talk to a customer or a client about said thing, but you could be out for a walk. You could be playing with your kids. You could be doing call of duty for all I care. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, And so it was a model that, that we used and, um, and it was successful in the sense that like nobody ever complained. Everybody knew what they needed to do when it was due, when it was done on time. And the rest of the time we just left people alone, right? Like, and we always got things done and we never had any problems. And so I don't understand. I never have understood this concept of nine to five, which Gary, I think you worked in marketing. So nine to five is like, that's like what the, that's like the gateway drug that they tell you that (laughs) (laughs) your hours are going to be, um, and, and so people, you know, are often like sitting at work and 
they could be doing something else, but you're expected to be sitting there looking productive. Like I remember working at an agency in my twenties and they wanted me to log every hour of what I was doing. Well, sometimes I'm waiting for the project manager to get back to me. Sometimes I'm waiting for a meeting. Sometimes I'm waiting for this thing. I'm literally like logging things into the time tracking to make it look like I'm being productive, even though I'm not. I could have been out surfing or doing something more fun <laughs> sitting there. You're, you're giving but. me flashbacks, honestly. <laughs> like I, I was a project manager. And so I, I also worked in like agency settings and I knew my team members needed to be logging time on all these different tasks. And I like see all these numbers coming back. Like, dude, you just like blew the budget. And there's no way that you actually spent three hours on that fake, but they had three hours that needed to be logged somewhere. Like some yeah. of these systems were, were just broken for so long. Uh, but we, we just kind of said, well, that's the way it is. Or we don't, we're not going to bother to, to like find a better way or think of it differently. I, I've yeah. also worked in a company where, you know, it was like survive till five. Uh, I have to be at my desk in case the phone rings and it's a client and they have a request. So it's like, how do I pack up enough of my stuff that come five o'clock? I'm ready to dart out of the office and like get my way into traffic. Like you're escaping a prison. <laughs> yeah. I, that's the thing. I was like, how did I know I was getting burned out? Like I'm watching the clock, <laughs> you know, like as it gets closer, like it's time for me to find a different place. It's time for me to find a different type of job. And I, I think that's again, like this big, um, you know, pause that we've had with the the pandemic, people are are really reflecting on their lives differently. And like, what values are important to me? How do I want to be more engaged, perhaps with my family, you know, whether that's my kids or my parents, or, you know, maybe it's my, my family, maybe it's my like local community, maybe it's I want to have like a, a different um, sort of like setting where I spend my time uh, for me, I'm like, God, you know, it's nice not being in other people's offices. Cause mine is kind of pretty. I had an interior <laughs> decorator help me find wallpaper and it's very pretty to look at. Uh, most offices that I would go to are gray and they have kind of that like prison feel, or maybe they're like very modern, like bare white, you know, walls and like very industrial look. And, that's that's kind of taxing on on me like aesthetically after a while too so i want to ask we've all sort of said you know yeah we used to say that that's the way it is my question is do you think it was really the employees that were saying that or was it the leaders were that were saying well this is the way that we've always done it or was it both leadership leadership yeah because they're always driving the ship right so they're the ones passing the information along and saying, this is, we do things this way because this is how they've always been done. Um, I think, you know, for this discussion, you know, me bringing up the, the whole point about like the way working hours should function and whatnot is I only bring that up so that other people can go, wait a minute, you can run a business differently. Mm-hmm. And then them as the employee can say, Hey, did you know that this, this company over here had this working model? And then, pitch the idea to leadership to say, maybe we don't all have to be staring at our computers. Like, you know, it's like 1984. Um, and maybe there's a different working model and, and making those types of suggestions. I'd actually like to hear from Gary because, um, you know, he, uh, I watched your Ted talk. You wanted, you talk about introducing play. Like, so, um, 
you know, what, what do you think about this whole thing and, and how the working model could change or how, you know, what your background is, um, you know, could make things different? Well, you hit the nail on the head where leadership sets the precedent. They're the ones who are going to influence how people do things. And oftentimes they think, oh, well, we just need to add a ping pong table or we need to add like some sort of perk. (laughs) Being at a company that had those, however, I didn't feel like I could play with those. It made it worse. Imagine just sitting across from like something like amazing that you wish you can do. Like you, you mentioned, Seth, you mentioned Call of Duty. Like imagine if there was a PS5 and that was one of the perks that got you into the job. But yet if you did it, you were shamed or shunned because you're, you're billable hours. Right. So I, the, the agency that, uh, that I worked at that, <laughs> that I mentioned actually had, they either had a PlayStation or an Xbox in like a library and it was literally off the side room and nobody ever played it. Why? Because you were supposed to be fucking working. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, how dare you go in there and play that video game? There are no breaks. Like, yeah, the agency I, world yeah. is ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. The, the ping pong table of it's a trap. Like, whoever is seen playing ping pong during the day is, like, next most likely to get fired. Of you clearly didn't have enough work to do or you weren't contributing enough. You shouldn't have been using that thing that is clearly available over in the corner. Yeah, I, I believe it's called a honeypot. <laughs> <laughs> so in this era that we're in, where it does feel like the employees are taking the maximum of the power. I mean, when there is this threat of maybe not on an individual level, but generally of people quitting because they are, and it is hard to get good talent. That's what we're hearing right Mm -hmm. in the door. We have this moment. And so I'm hearing, um, you know, challenging the working models. I'm hearing introducing play and like for real, um, and I know that Gary doesn't just, you know, Gary doesn't do that through just ping pong, right? You have some very specific things you do with teams. Um, so my question is, if I am an employee either in an organization or maybe I'm interviewing, what are the things that I say or the things that I ask to either A, find out if this is a good place or even mm-hmm. just challenge the place and like challenge the status quo in this moment? Because this moment is likely not going to last forever, Right. Like mm-hmm. culture shift. We're probably going to get back to a place where maybe, maybe that's kind of a change, actually. <laughs> what do we do? There was a little uh, thing on our screen. It would just be dot, 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 as we all say. <laughs> yes. It's uh, okay to think. It's okay to think. Yeah. It's a big question. Yeah, it's it's weird because like I I think of it as um, you know you're you're an employee somewhere I imagine uh, and you're starting to feel out like what's the what's the likelihood of change where I am uh, again knowing that you you might be um, seeing teammates around you that are resigning the amount of work on your shoulders is increasing uh, you know companies were it's funny I was like listening to a webinar yesterday so there actually were trends back in 2019 around like a, a rise of employee activism um, or, you know, people really wanting a, a better alignment between like what their companies do and their personal values. Uh, and, 
and then a pandemic happened in 2020 and and now we are, we're here like two years later. Well, things have just like sped up and like been exacerbated um, through this process uh, that I, I think now we're seeing like I'm wanting change more immediately because I've been facing and and like adapting to some very like immediate changes, you know, over the, the last two years. Um, but I, I look at it and think what if you're an employee, like you have to be able to start the conversation and know that you might not get the answer that you're looking for in that first conversation. But, you know, are, are you being respected? Are you being heard? Does it feel like there's a dialogue happening? Uh, and you're having to gauge for yourself, like, how long do you give leaders? How long do you give your your coworkers um, time to make adjustments and to adapt to, again, is it you're wanting to, to work different hours, a different location? Is it we want to improve our processes? Because um, there's just a lot of uh, extra steps that have been accumulated over time. What What is it that you're um, hoping to have different? Right. Are you a cog in the wheel or are you part of a team? Yeah. Right. Because the team works together, a cog in the wheel just has one function and it does that thing. And if the cog starts, you know, talking, people are like, shut up, cog, go back to cog. (laughs) (laughs) Gary, I know that in your work, you get really deep with teams, right? Like when you are playing with people, you have the opportunity to really hear their heart. What are some of the things that you hear people saying that they want change for or in? Well, uh, matter of fact, I was actually just uh, working with a group uh, two days ago, and we it was their first time meeting in person in two no. years. It was it was beautiful, and we we're at the park, and we were doing some playful activities as a way to get that out of them. And some of the biggest things that they realized through these playful activities was that they are unintentionally taking on too much work because they're being too nice. Mm. <laughs> and boundaries. And they didn't realize that. They didn't realize that. And so we had a conversation about how can we set boundaries? Exactly. Um and just the simple fact like what we said, you know, that people are scared, you know, that you know, they're going to get in trouble if they if they leave their desk before five o'clock, uh, it, it's putting drain uh, a drain on them. And then the, if the pandemic has taught us anything is that we can work whenever, mm-hmm. wherever. So this is the perfect time to reset those boundaries. Yeah. That overwork or like overloading of self is something I hear really commonly too. Um, one thing I'm curious about, Allison, you work with a lot of leaders. Mm-hmm. When I work with leaders, I don't hear them say that they want their teams to be taking on too much work. Do you think that there's a disconnect between what employees think the leaders want and what the leaders actually want? There, there definitely is. There definitely is. And, and I mean, it's, it's a challenge as a leader of um, how do you help people that they might not be your direct reports. They might be like another level or two below that. Uh, like I, I think about... Um, one of the leaders I've worked with in particular that knows certain parts of the organization are overburdened, that people have too much work. They are stressing themselves out. Uh, and he says, like, raise your hand, raise your hand if you need help, raise your hand if you have too much work. Like, 
say no to some of it. Tell us not yet, you know, like force us to have the conversation about the priorities uh, and determine truly like what comes first and what comes later. Um, but I also know that in a large organization, especially, it can be very difficult of this is the executive's pet project and no one above you said no to it. So who are you to say no to it or not <laughs> yet to it? You know, or this thing is going to be really important for our customers because they have this like immediate need around it. Do you want to be the one to deny them that? Like, no, of course not. Right. Like it, it's hard because as we've gotten, you know, better in some ways of having purpose and meaning behind the work that is like coming to the teams, it also like tugs on the human heartstrings of, so how do I hold up my boundaries or how do I know when I set no boundaries? Like there, I know for myself, I've had these moments of like, I didn't realize how much I gave away of myself because it just happened bit by bit by bit. And now it's like, why am I talking to my coach and crying? Like, oh, <laughs> I did it to myself. No leader, you know, asked like, hey, Allison, I need you to become a martyr. I just went, ah, oh, you know what the natural thing to do is this, 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 this. Why are there a gazillion sticky notes of to-do items? I wrote them down. No one gave them to me. Uh, so it, it's, I think, a um, situation where leaders are struggling of how do I help remove things off people's plates when they're the ones putting that there? And I don't even know what their plate looks like. Yeah, I hear. So Seth talked about, you know, sort of flexible working models. Gary is saying that, you know, a lot of what we're hearing, and I think we all can concur, is like people have too much on their plate. Mm -hmm. The thing I'm taking away from this is like, clarity of the work, but between the leader and the employee, right? So that mm -hmm. maybe those, like, if I can show the work that I'm doing mm -hmm. and have clarity of that for myself and for you as my leader, then we can have a better conversation about like, does it really matter based on this work? Do I really have to be sitting at this desk from nine to five? Like really, you know, and maybe for some industries there is you know, some level of something that's required there, but like, let's have the conversation. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I definitely think it all ties together. I also thought about Seth and storytelling and what you were saying, Allison, because sometimes just the propagation of those stories, like, well, this customer is going to be so sad, you know, when similar to the stories we make up about our leaders, is the customer really going to be that sad? Maybe, but maybe not. Mm -hmm. Like maybe we're attributing feelings to them that actually don't exist. Yeah. This is some interesting <laughs> stuff. Ah, deep. So deep. All right. What else are we hearing that like um, is prime for change? We've talked about overload. We talked about working models. Um, I don't know. What else is coming up as things that we have a chance to talk about now that we didn't maybe two years ago? I think one of the things that is coming up um, and we sort of addressed it, but um, you know, the whole thing about the, the five day work week or the mm. 40 hour work week and going from a um, you know, you're trading sort of time for very specific elements. Like when we were in a factory to looking at a value model to like what Seth eloquently said, you know what, we have this thing that we're trying to develop. I don't know how long it's going to take you to do it, but this is, you know, this is what your job is. Do this. And if you happen to get it done sooner, 
go go do something else. Mm. I definitely think a piece of that is the what Seth said about like when you're done, be done. Because I do think we have a tendency to be like, well, there's still three hours left in the day. What should I like? Let me go find something to do. And and I'm all for like helping our teammates and you know, but when I've worked with teams in the past, like they'll want to pull more stories into their iteration or whatever it is. And it's like, no, wait. <laughs> okay. First of all, ask your friends if they need help. Second of all, remember all that like learning and development you don't have time to do, like do it now. <laughs> like, you have time or take a break. <laughs> well, and it's, it's, it's actually like kind of hard to take a break and like really like decompress after a while. Right. If like, I'm, I'm constantly checking email. I'm constantly like seeing if I get messages, you know, through uh, Slack or Teams and I'm I'm like working on tasks. I'm talking to people. I'm in meetings that like if someone cancels a meeting all of a sudden, I go, wow, I have like an hour that just opened up. Like I, I could just kind of sit here and go like, um, is the, isn't there like another thing that's supposed to be like grabbing my attention right now? Like, where is it? And I'm like looking around and like making stuff up. And then you're like, well, the hour's gone. <laughs> I accomplished like very little. Um, And I I think we've all kind of gotten in these habits of like hustle and being busy and like, you know, gotta, gotta have the next thing that's you're being produced that we're forgetting to actually like really like take a pause and, and like sit with it. You know, for me, I, I think about like, why do I not feel like I'm very creative? Like, Oh, cause I'm not letting myself be bored. You know, like you, you have to like really just kind of like clear your mind and like everything around you a bit in order to um, identify maybe some like new innovative idea or some like really significant improvement um, that you could make to your work. But we're not, many of us are just not giving ourselves like that grace, that downtime. Yeah. We need more well, play. It, It'll like evoke it out of us, maybe. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Help, Gary. Help. <laughs> well, you need to not feel guilty about it either, because that's yes. that's the thing. Where if we have environment where we've been conditioned to attach our identities and our value and self worth to the amount of time that we spent, then yeah, it is. I can say play all day, but you're not going to. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. That just like brought up a, like, what is the story that you tell about yourself? Like I am a worker and I do all these things and it is part of my identity. And like, there's a way to change that story. And I imagine Seth's got like all kinds of thoughts on that too. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yes. I mean, it goes, it goes into the behavioral um, psychology side of things, which um, I don't really focus on. I'm actually digging into it maybe for the next book, but, um, you heard like it here, all, folks. <laughs> <laughs> all, all of our, all of our memories are essentially saved as stories. Mm-hmm. So when you recall something, it's essentially a story, right? So that is the, that is the format and those, um, and so what we do know, or at least I understand from like the neuroscience side of things is those little, uh, stories or memories those memories that are stored as stories basically become like these little applications that run on your operating system, which is your brain. So mm-hmm. um, they fire off from time to time doing different things. And it's, it's kind of like when you go into your computer and you look at like the task manager and you find like 
there's a hundred different things running and one of them may be going haywire using up a hundred percent of <laughs> your, your computer power. And you're like, why is my computer overheating? Like, and it's something that's like stuck. Well, um, those types of stories sometimes, uh, run awry like that. And one of the, one of the other interesting things is even though we kind of create these ourselves a lot of times through the experiences that we have. And we, and so we start to see the world that filter, uh, we start to filter the world through these different perspectives and whatnot um, is that we don't actually do a good job of going in and removing those things uh, later on. So they just continue to <laughs> continue to run. And so, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so there has to be a process of undoing um, those, uh, those thoughts and those actions and whatnot. Um, like you said, those stories that we, we tell about our, ourselves and it could be anything from like childhood up to, you know, um, you know, current day where you have a, maybe a boss who's like, you're a terrible employee. You never do anything right. And then you start going, why do I always screw up? Why am I always doing something wrong? You know, and that becomes one of those little applications. And then it it runs because we have so much going on in our subconscious that we don't, we're not even connected to. So, Mm -hmm. um, so, wow, I went off on a tangent there, but (laughs) (laughs) I just have to say, I love this because one of the things that I have held on to, especially when talking with leaders in an organization, is that people will continue to tell themselves the same story until you give themselves give them a new story to tell. Mm-hmm. And Seth, I feel like you actually just gave me like a little more color to that to that saying, you know, mm-hmm. some structure to it to like help people understand like you have to actually go into the task manager, not only turn off the task, but but give it a new task. Um, people do not like things to be taken away unless something replaces it. And that includes the stories that we tell ourselves. So give Mm -hmm. them a sippy cup as you take away their bottles (laughs) (laughs) in the middle of a bunch of change. (laughs) Well, if I can just add, that's where the playful, uh, I call them playful interventions Mm. come in because when we're in a state of play, our brains think of this as, Oh, it's play. It's a simulation. But through that simulation, you're able to see things from a different perspective. That's why you can play a game and then afterwards think about it. And you're like, oh, I didn't see that possibility before because, as Seth said, we were running that program in our brain that was not allowing us to see it from that perspective. 100%. Like, facilitators have this down where it's like <laughs> people are like, Oh, I hate icebreakers or I hate games in class. I just, you know, just put the text in front of me. I could do that, but you're probably just going to filter it through the same task manager, you know, where through play, it like opens up, you know, all of these other possibilities. Yeah. I love that so much. Allison, you look like you were going to say something and I might have cut you off. No, no. I, I just was thinking like, wow, yeah. If someone announces like, I want to do an icebreaker, like I'm one of the people that cringe. Like I'm a facilitator. <laughs> I, I've like used those, but even I like sometimes like cringe, like, oh God, like what, what question are you going to ask? And especially the ones that try to be like, you know, be like vulnerable of like, I don't know y'all and no, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, like what? You know, I, I think like the, the thing that's probably like so effective about Gary's work, it is it is playful, you know, and it, it, it evokes this like lightness and, um, you know, can bring out some humor. And like when you are going to do a activity, a game, a, an icebreaker of how do you have it be playful for everyone? You don't know what's in people's like past, 
you don't want to be bringing out stuff that that is going to be the opposite of uh, something that you can handle right then. So how do you how do you bring out the positive things um, without making assumptions about what people's experiences have been? I feel like that's a good question for Gary. Actually. I know that sounded <laughs> rhetorical. Like I actually right. love people's answer to that. <laughs> so Gary, I mean, how do you approach it when you have a group of kind of, you know, unknown folks? How do you make sure it's safe? Well, with play, play is something that as all right, let me take a step back. With these team building things, we've been coerced into it. And we're not truly playing. We're just being forced to do it. Mm. And to create psychological safety, you need to invite people to play. People have to come freely and openly. And the skilled facilitators realize that. And then they ease you in little by little. And then before you know it, then yes, you feel comfortable. You have that psychological safety. Then you're going to be vulnerable. Allison, you hit the nail right on the head. Why am I going to be vulnerable? I don't really know you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and I also think, you know, there's, there's um, that idea from, from like improv, like it's going to be okay to fail yes. and you really do have to like set that tone. And, you know, in, in some cases it, it might be like, we're going to do some kind of like silly celebration if we like mess up as a team to like purposely like counteract, you know, the, the like negative stories that might start to come up in your head that yeah, keep us in that, um, ability to treat it as like, this is not, this is not real life and serious consequences. You're not a bad employee because you dropped the ball on like literally a game where we're like throwing a ball to one another, like whatever it is. Uh, and, and so like giving yourself the ability to really like interact and like, you know, listen and, and like play with people differently than you do in your normal work. Yep. Yeah. And then you get to see the takeaways and the insights. <laughs> And actually see people smiling and happy together as opposed to, you know, <laughs> you know, it's funny, uh, your shirt, like your name was cutting off your shirt when we started this. So yeah, I didn't <laughs> see it fully and you were kind of like sitting down a little bit. I swear. I thought your shirt said daddy. And I Me was too. Like, I didn't want to say anything. I'm glad you said it first, Seth. Uh, I was like, <laughs> So for our listeners who are listening later and not watching live, um, I made a joke earlier today that, you know, you say you wear your heart and your sleeve. Um, mm -hmm. Well, I'm wearing happy on my sweater today. So I'm actually wearing a, a hot pink sweater that says happy, but absolutely I could see where it might've looked like it said daddy. Yeah. Do Cause you were noticed. cut off. Yeah. It was just the way off. that you were cut. Yeah. It was cut <laughs> off. And then the, the, I couldn't see the other letter and I just saw a, and it looked like DDY, so I just assumed Daddy. I, I yep, that was the, a story the I was telling myself. Of, of being on cameras, where you do have to consider, like, what is what is in focus, like what's in the screen, and like what's not in the screen. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, I wanted to go back real quick. The reason that I dug a little bit deeper in the the play part and like making it safe is personally, that's one of the things that I would love to see change. Mm. I would love to see us um, introducing more play, introducing more storytelling. I'm not just pandering to the people on the panel right now, but humanizing the work that we do, you know, I think now we have the opportunity to do that post pandemic. We all had to face our own humanity over the last two years. 
And so if there is ever a time for us to introduce more of these things that make us human, it is now. Um, and I think a lot of the things that we've talked about, like I believe so strongly in, which is sort of making the space outside of work. But I also love the idea of like inside of work, mm. how do we make this more exciting and more fun? We've got purpose, like you said, Allison, that, that wave has come and I think it's, you know, we're still working on it, but we know about that. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, I'm spoiled the company that I always talk about that I grew up in. One of our core vo- values was make work fun. So it wasn't just about like, you know, go have fun at the company party. That's great too. But also <laughs> like, how do we actually like have fun with each other, have fun day to day? And so yeah. I think it's well, and you're, and you're making me think, and, and maybe it's also like the believe sign, you know, in the background with Gary. And I, I think, Melissa, you had one as well. Um, I, I feel like there's a reason why Ted Lasso has been so popular as a TV show. And, and like his leadership style inoculates against toxins. Ooh, say right? that one more time. Like, like say that sentence say again, time. Allison. Say it Ted again. Ted Lasso. So the, the character of Ted Lasso, his leadership style inoculates against toxins. So like where the rest of us, like, ah, you know, we have these moments like Roy Kent is my man. I'm feeling some like Roy (laughs) Kent and I'm going to like drop some F-bombs today, you know, or, or, you know, some of the other characters, like you're seeing like the sarcasm, you're seeing the joking around, you're seeing maybe criticism and stuff. And Ted Lasso like enters and he might've just made someone biscuits and here you go. And you're like, these are the best thing ever. (laughs) <laughs> I'm finding it very I can't hate you because you just made me the best thing ever you're right like there's so much like humanity um that he is like evoking and like bringing out in the other characters and it changes the demeanor it changes the conversations the topic and the tone and and like there's so it's like this like real craving that I have. So like, okay, we made fun of like Melissa and her sweater. So today I went with be incredible and got my like incredible Hulk shirt on. <laughs> yes. Um, that's my like superhero. Um, but but for me, I'm like those moments where I'm like, oh my God, I just want to like smash some things. Like, why is it so frustrating that we cannot like make change? If I just like went full Hulk, like Hulk on people, like I'm I'm gonna destroy. What I instead have to actually channel is like, all right, like, what does it mean to like be incredible in this moment and like bring people along? And like, how do I like conjure up the like strongest, most like grounded and like value based part of myself to say, I want us to be better and I want us to not be making jokes at one another. And I want to like cut out the cynicism that I know I've been bringing to the table now and then. And I want to. I actually want us to have play and tell great stories and like think about the things that could happen in the future and how like amazing and wonderful and like how we get to be, you know, engaged in our work for some number of hours, but then go be engaged and full of life in other areas too. Uh, and that, and that's where I think it's, it's just like, out there like we're we're all like kind of being beckoned by this tv show but we're not able to to bring out enough of our like inner ted lassos in the work <laughs> well so i think um you know playing off what what you're saying i think one of the bigger problems and 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 this is i guess this goes back to your your thing uh melissa about you know why are so many people quitting and and changing and and why is there so much change 
Um, it's because so many of these companies have no vision, like none. Like they, they literally very snapping. <laughs> they they may have they you. may have had one at one time, um, mm. but they don't anymore. All they're doing is saying we need to sell more widgets, we need to make more money, we need to hit our quarterly earning, right? And so you as an employee don't feel like you have a, a place or a purpose in in that. And and that's where I, I was saying you're a cog in a machine, right? I'm just here to make sure that this person does this thing. So this other person does this other thing. So this other thing, so that the stockholders get their, you know, certain air bump or whatever. And like, and so with a vision, there's a story there, right? There's a story that says, Hey guys, gals, whatever. Um, this is why we're doing this. We're all inspired together. We're all rowing in the same direction because we're all going for the same thing, right? We all, we all believe in this cause, this thing, this, whatever, and, um, I think that makes it a lot easier for people to be like, I know why I'm going to work every day. <laughs> yeah. I know why I enjoy my job. I know why I care about the people that work around me. But when you don't have that, then you get a ton of people going, what the fuck am I doing here? My life is miserable. I'm working 80,000 hours and like, this isn't worth it. Right. And so the wheels come off. Right. Mm -hmm, and so. Mm -hmm. You know, for, you know, many generations, it was, it was kind of like, well, yeah, this is a necessary evil, right? Your nine to five job. And it was like, it was fine that like, um, you know, the way society was, it was like, I work, I, you know, I bring home money, you know, things are paid for and whatnot, but like our society is, has been changing, especially in the digital era and the way that work is done and how all these pieces come together is completely changing. So, um, so that's where I think. And, and that's why I kind of started the conversation with, we need to look at new models or, or at least attempt to try to test new models. And, you know, that's, and, and, you know, like the other pieces, you're an employee. If, if you cannot talk to your leadership, then you're probably in the wrong place in the first place, right? Like if you can't have that dialogue, like there's major issues going on. Um, but if you can, then you can bring those ideas to, to your leadership. Like, I, um, you know, in my position, I work with a lot of different leaders at different companies, kind of like Alice and they're receptive to my ideas. If I'm mm -hmm. working with somebody and they're not receptive to my ideas, I fire them. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and, and I think that's what, what we're seeing a lot of people realizing is like, this sucks. I have no purpose. I don't know why I'm here. Um, you know, making money is good, but is it worth doing this the rest of my life? Um, mm -hmm. You know, and then there's sort of like this um, job life crisis right <laughs> going on with a lot of people. Um, and so, you know, I'm attempting here to like tie in so many of the different points that everybody's brought up, but like, <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, and I lost it. All right. Uh, <laughs> you were right there. You're right there. <laughs> well, if I can sort of add to that, uh, Seth, what I was hearing from you is in alignment with uh, this book that I, I read recently uh, called Prime to Perform. It was by uh, Neo Dosi and uh, Lindsay McGregor. And they talk about the three motive or the six motivators. Mm -hmm. And most businesses, um, so if you want sort of transactional work, you know, like how we've been doing it, you optimize for the, the external motivators, which is emotional pressure, 
You better do it or you're fired or you better not make a mistake. Economic pressure. Hey, bonus. Or I'm going to take away money or inertia. Well, this is how we've been done before. If you do that, you don't get creativity. You get people that will probably jump ship mm-hmm. at the next opportunity. And companies, and we're finding it now, companies that um, are best places to work that are thriving are optimizing for the three intrinsic motivators, play, purpose, and potential. You see the work as play and a challenge. The purpose, the output of the work mm-hmm. um, stimulates you. And the potential. There's potential to grow as a human, you know, mm-hmm. and things like that. So, yeah, I feel like the companies who get it, whether they are doing it intentionally or not, are optimizing for the inter- internal motivators. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. One of the things I found interesting is that uh, it's almost like we're seeing a second wave of the Great Resignation. And actually, I'm like really proud of employees because they left the first job maybe a year ago, mm-hmm. went to a new place, and now they're leaving again because it didn't match what they were told, right? Um, didn't we talk about play, purpose, and potential? And then I get there and it's nothing, right? It doesn't exist. Or maybe it they want it to exist, but they're not willing to do anything to actually make it happen. And I'll make a little plug here. I coined a new term in the last couple of weeks, which is organizational gaslighting, which is when the organization, not a single person, but the organization tells you, these are my core values. This is what I'm selling you on to come work here. And then I I get there and I'm not seeing those things. And where the gaslighting part comes in is where they're like, no, empowerment is our core value, but we're not doing anything actually, you know, allow you to access your power. Um, and you start to feel like you're a little bit crazy, right? Because you're like, wait, but you said that this was important, but you're not doing anything to like hold up the importance of that thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. So yeah, we're seeing this second wave because people are actually leaving a second job at this point, you know, and good for you if you are listening and you are upholding your own values. Like the opportunity is there right now. I actually hope that the podcast starts to help people maybe change the organization that they're in. That's what I'm hoping. But, you know, if not, like, like Seth said, like walk, you know, Um, we are getting to the end of our time. So I want to like do a kind of a quick wrap up of, I don't know, what's one thing that, that you were taking away or that you heard that's kind of tying these things together um, and then I also want to ask you, just to prepare you, um, how people can find you and, you know, what you have going on. So first, a quick rack up, wrap up. Boy. Uh, <laughs> pass it out to any of the three of you. What's one thing you're taking away? I think you should call on us one by one. <laughs> <Before it's just laughs> answer. I know, right? We're so, so polite. polite. <laughs> That's where we are. <laughs> No, no, you go. No, no, you go. We don't know the rules of this game. How do we play? How do we play? <laughs> no, I, it, it, I want to get it right. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I actually was, I was kind of reflecting on like, oh, the power of play and, and how that, that can open up um, again, maybe these like moments of like, be, be the Ted Lasso facilitator, you know, let others try on some Ted Lasso-ness. Like maybe we all just need to like go play some soccer of some kind, I don't know. Uh, but, but creating, creating space, uh, for us to show up a bit differently and and then see what comes from that. Love that. 
Well, Gary, that sounds like it was a soft toss to you. So <laughs> you can go next. Um, I'm going to go off of, like what I heard Seth say of evaluate what are the stories we're telling ourselves? Hmm. Are they true? Are they still true? Uh, and if not, what new processes or, or procedures do we need to put in place to be the people and the companies, you know, we want to, we want to be. Um, well, I will, uh, I, I'll go off of what Allison said, which is, um, you know, employees obviously need to, um, take care of themselves, but also, um, in, uh, I think in the question of how can I do better? How can I be better? Um, is also an important thing, right? Cause like the, the job is sort of an external thing, but then there's the internal thing that's going on with you too. Um, and, and part of that may be, um, maybe doing better is getting in a different environment, right? Where you're mm-hmm. not like, you know, ready to Hulk smash everything, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, uh, because nobody listens to you or people tell you one thing and do another, or they just, you know, flat out lie to your face or gaslight you like Melissa said. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think, I think all these things, um, are all affected by, by the great resignation and what people are starting to kind of realize. And, um, you know, the, uh, there's just been a lot revealed, I think about corporate life and what it, what it's really like and where it's really lacking. Um, and I think if, if enough employees of a company get together and say, Hey, um, we really think things should be this way, uh, you know, versus that way, Mm -hmm. then there's an opportunity for, you know, leadership to, to listen and make changes. Um, and there's an opportunity for them to not, and, you know, for those people to go, you know, then we need to go somewhere where, you know, they align with our values or what's important to us. Um, and so, yeah, it's very, it's very interesting to see, um, how things are shifting around. So that that was my takeaway. That was very similar to mindset. I, I, I wasn't going to add one, but I have to say, <laughs> I kind of expected us to come here and talk about how employees were going to convince leadership to be different. And I think there's an element of that. But actually, I also heard a lot about what we can just do ourselves and do with our teams. Like, there's a lot of power in that. You don't have to be empowered to mm. change yourself or to, you know, look at those around you and say, like, how do we just operate differently in this? Maybe we, maybe we start there and we start the stories, right? People start talking about us as a team and then suddenly the whole company is changing. So Mm -hmm. that part is one of the things I'm taking away that I didn't expect. (laughs) Uh, All right. So with a couple of minutes left, I just want to give each of you an opportunity. I'm going to call on you because I've learned my lesson. (laughs) Um, but I would love it if you would tell people if you have anything coming up or where they can find you, shout out your website, whatever it might be. Um, cause I am sure people are like, Ooh, how do I talk to them? So Gary, I'm going to start with you cause you're right next to me here. Um, yes. <laughs> um, if you are in need of any sort of team bonding, team experiences, team development, feel free to reach out. Uh, at breakthroughplay.com. Uh, as far as things that I am working on, uh, I am working on my first book. Uh, and it's, it's called uh, Playful Rebellion. Uh, and it's all about unlocking uh, maximum work potential through the power of play. And uh, that's going to be self-published in the next couple of months. So if you want to know about that, you just go to my website and uh, I'll let you know when it's out. 
That's me. Excellent. Uh, Seth? Uh, yeah. Um, I'm, uh, what am I, what's coming up? Well, like uh, Melissa said, I, I launched a book as well. Uh, it's called How to Hack Humans, uh, Storytelling for Startups. Um, but if you're a startup, don't worry. There's plenty of information for any entrepreneur or small business owner in there. Um, I'm also working on an audiobook uh, version, which is uh, going off the rails a little bit from the printed version. It's going to be uh, How to Hack Humans, the uh, unrated director's cut. So that should be interesting. Um and also, if you're interested in the book, if you go to storifyagency.com slash wildhearts, uh, you can download the first chapter of the book for free and check it out. See if uh, it's your cup of tea. <laughs> so uh, that's Aww, it. I love that we still have our link with you. We're still friends of, uh, of Seth and Storify. Love that. Yes. Yes. And Allison, how can they find you or reach out to you? Yeah, you can find my blog at alisonpollard.com. Uh, I know I've been I've been kind of heads down recently working with different clients. I've got some agile workshops I'm designing for them and uh, possibly going to start up an agile center of excellence uh, for another. So things that are on my brain are all about, you know, how do you bring more agility into your organization? So I'd love to meet with others that are also working towards that goal. Amazing. Well, I'm going to end this by just saying a bunch of thank yous. Thank you to all three of you for being such a friend of the show and being willing to come back a second time after you already <laughs> gave up your time in your original episodes. Um, like I said, this was a dream come true. Having the three of you together and talking about this topic is just such a rich uh, opportunity, rich experience. So thank you for the work that you do in the world every day. And thank you for being here and giving of your time and your thoughts. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for and, having us. <laughs> yeah. And to you, my thank dearest you. friends and listeners, thank you for coming back for another episode of Wild Hearts at Work. We would not be here if it were not for you and for you listening and telling your friends every week. So like, share, subscribe, all the things people say at the end of a podcast episode. Um, but most of all, you know, stay strong, be strong in your values. And until next time, dear hearts, stay wild. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Wild Hearts at Work. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and share. For more resources and to connect with Melissa, visit melissaboggs.com. Also, if you or someone you know is doing great work in a wild way, get in touch about being a guest on the show. Until next time.